Welcome to Northgate's podcast. We pray that you're going to be blessed by hearing God's word. May you be filled with hope as you believe and trust in Jesus. Let's pray and we'll invite God into our midst as we look together book of Galatians. Thank you, Lord. We pray that your word would minister to us this morning in a powerful way. Maybe it's things we've heard before, but may it be fresh because of the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray no one would leave this place who hasn't encountered Jesus. Come, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going back Easter. We took a break and as I just mentioned, talked about hope and from the resurrection of Christ, the amazing hope we have for our future. And now Jesus is alive. Two weeks before that, we are working our way through Galatians. We began in chapter three. We made it probably to verse five. And we talked about the battle, not only in this province of Galatia that Paul is writing to, this battle of thinking that we in any way can perfect ourselves in our works, this battle of legalism, this battle of a works-related gospel, That if you think, oh no, it's not a problem for me, beware you stand lest you fall. And it is never a wrong thing to remind people of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh, yes sirree. That's right. Because the issue is, if any way you start to begin to think it's about you and your obedience, and that's how God works in your life, and the problem is when you st- when you don't do well, you feel like a piece of trash, right? You see how it works? But our flesh loves, absolutely loves to check off boxes. I did this and that and I'm okay with God. The problem is when we can't check off those boxes. So Satan, he knows this and he just leads us into this path when we're doing well. And just, yeah, it's you, and, and you're causing God to do these amazing things, and, and then he just gets you, and then, bam! When you start screwing up, or you come to the reality that you are a screw-up, it's just really hard. And that's why it really is a spiritual battle, and that's what we talked about two weeks ago, because Paul is saying, like, who, Satan, has bewitched you, put a spell on you, that you should not obey the truth. And the truth is Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. It is his work. It begins, it continues, it finishes with the work of Christ. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And we know it's all of faith. And two weeks ago, if you want to listen to that online, we went into the role of the Holy Spirit convicting us, indwelling, and coming upon us, and giving us gifts, and wow, as we have faith working through us in amazing ways, right? So that was a long time ago. I even forgot and had to refresh a little bit. But let's go 
to verse 6. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation this morning. Um, I was thinking, do I do a couple verses and leave the rest for Doug, or do we do the whole chapter? You know, then I thought, what would be hardest for him? And I'll do the easy part. Uh, you have to understand, Paul is so passionate about his message in this book that it is somewhat vicious. That he is going to hammer away at this theme that it's only by faith, not by works. Not only in chapter 1 and 2 or 3, he's going to get into the Old Testament, into 4, and the practical, we don't even see till the end of the book. Because he's so passionate. It's like, wow, this is the same message. Right? Hopefully it will be a different voice because next week it will be Doug. But I thought it would be good. We will attempt to do the whole chapter. But if you're like, oh, there's so much in here, you missed something, Pastor Dan. Well, great! You could go study at home. And by the way, that's another thing. I am not here to spoon feed you. Right? You are have an anointing on you through the power of the Holy Spirit to get into God's Word. Right? It's not here. I don't know more than you. I just read more during the week. By the way, there's not much new, but the Holy Spirit makes it new as we study it. Right? So someone has, uh, I'm sure, taught this message before, but it becomes new as God's Holy Spirit just speaks to us. And you can do that each week. Right? So, that's why if I miss something, <laughs> I've just shifted all responsibility upon you. So it says in verse 6, I'll just read verse 5 because the conclusion of the, uh, the message two weeks ago, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not, right? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Verse 6, well, we'll start in the same way. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. By the way, obviously we know, quoted from the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, and that is probably one of the first verses I force people to memorize. It is crucial. So Abram believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Really? Really important. Hold that verse in your mind. What's more, the scriptures look forward to the time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book, the law. Deuteronomy. Actually, it was in my devotions this week. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says, It is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law, 
When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Deuteronomy as well. Little context. If, yeah, sometimes the Old Testament, this is harsh stuff, but like, if I think you were disobedient to your parents, kids, you were taken outside of the camp and put on a tree. That was it. All you kids hearing this? <laughs> so anyways, um, that's the context of that. But we know Christ Jesus has blessed the Gentiles with this blessing of faith, and that does not apply. Verse 15, dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so It is in this case, God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice the scripture doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants, rather to his child. That's pointing to Jesus. And that, of course, means Christ. And this is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promises, but God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Well, then you're thinking, why the law, period? That's 19. Why was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through the angels to Moses who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement, but God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. All right, I'll try to explain this all in a minute. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus. Are you guys seeing that Paul's pretty passionate about this? So, by the way, verse 23, excuse me, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under a guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer famous scripture here, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise. Promise to Abraham belongs to you. Okay. I said to Amy, I'm going to try to explain this in 10 minutes or less. And she said, yeah, right. Uh, obviously, this is just a very sketch idea, and you can study it for yourself. 
I think she said that because she knows I'm long-winded, but um, I'll look over to her and get your watch going, honey. Okay. So context, Judaizers come in. Okay, we'll go further. Paul planted these churches in the region of Galatia. It's not one church, many churches, which you had few Jews and a lot of Gentiles. Okay? So after he went, some people from Jerusalem who are called Judaizers, meaning they say you have to become Jewish, obey the law, and believe in Jesus, then you have salvation. Paul is not into this. Because what he is saying to these Gentiles then is, you have to become Jewish, meaning a child of Abraham, right? Because Abraham was the father of the Jewish race, to receive his promises and do all that he says. So Paul is like, no way. And Paul was so passionate, actually, he went back in Acts chapter 15 to Jerusalem, and we learned that in chapter 2, and he's like, come on, boys! And he had no favorites. It didn't matter if it was Peter or anybody else high up people, he was ready to roll, okay? Because they were saying you had to become Jewish and believe in Jesus to be saved. No, no, no. That's why he's so passionate about this idea of children of Abraham. Because in their mind, they're saying a child of Abraham was Jewish. And he's like, no, 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 no. Anyone who wants to be a child of Abraham is not by having a Jewish mother or doing the customs or the laws. It's by say that you're a child of Abraham, right? Did you read that many times? Okay, let's go back. So he's trying, so the Judaizers come in using the Mosaic law, and okay, you know what the Mosaic law is? Here it is. Moses received the law, Ten Commandments. If you do them, you're what? Blessed, you're okay. If you don't, what happens? Read Deuteronomy. (laughs) You're cursed, right? Like hung on a tree. That's why we read that, right? The problem, he says, with that is you could do really good, but if you mess up once, you're going out to the camp to get, yeah, yeah, it's not good, right? It's not good. So there's a major problem. So Paul uses the Old Testament, but he goes further back, and that's why he goes to Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, something called the Abrahamic covenant, which is all by faith. So you have the Mosaic Covenant, which is I do, I get, I don't, you know, I don't, I get in trouble. But he goes back to Abraham, and Abraham's covenant with God was all by faith. Okay? So he says the first one supersedes the second one because it was there first, and you can't annul it, you can't take it away just because there's something else. So he's using the Old Testament. And by the way, when you're reading the Old Testament, be very careful that you're looking for Jesus. Otherwise, it's easy to get discouraged and depressed because people, I don't believe in the Old Testament. Well, you're not looking for Jesus then, right? You're taking it in the context the way it was written to the Jews. And it's not in that context for us anymore. It's in the context that we look through Christ into the Old Testament. And if you're ignorant from that, then you'll be hearing, oh, I don't like the Old Testament. You're not looking at it the right way, right? You're looking at it through the Mosaic Covenant. Now, okay, you go back, it's by faith. Now, by the way, remember he says, well, a covenant's with two people. I read that, but with Abraham, the covenant was all God. How am I doing? Five minutes? Five minutes left? So, what happened when he made the covenant with God and Abraham, uh, Genesis 15, 
uh, okay, we're going to have this land, but if you believe me, you're going to be righteous, this is going to be good. And the way they did it, you know, we get the term cutting a deal. It was cutting a covenant. So what happens in the story is they cut an animal in half, then they'd walk through it, and that would be the partnership, and that would be sold. So God says to Abraham, you know, cut these animals in half. He never walked through. God did all the work. Once he cut them, God smoked them up, put them in a deep sleep. And that's why I say, see, this is amazing. All you have to believe is because God does all the work. Right? In the normal covenant, it's me and you. No, it's all God, and you just believe what he's done. See, Mosaic covenant, different. I have to do with you to get. Right? But then why do we even have that? Why? Well, okay, I explained, or the scripture explained that. I read the New Living Translation because it's a little easier. So they don't know what's right or wrong. This nation of Israel, okay, if we believe we're righteous, but we're starting to do some dumb stuff. So until Christ came, he says, we gave you the law to point out what is wrong, not only for the sake of blessing at the time, but then if you knew you did something wrong in the Old Testament, what would you do? What did the law tell you to do? sacrifice to cover your sin in a temporary way until who comes? Jesus, because Hebrews says he's the final sacrifice, no more needed, but before, here's the third word, the new covenant, they had the Mosaic covenant to help them when they were screwing up to know there was a way to have forgiveness through the animal sacrifice until Christ's sacrifice where we no longer need to do that. But if there's no right or wrong, and they didn't know what was right or wrong, that would lead them into a whole lot of trouble. Right? So God, to help them, tutor, is that the word he used, or help you along, this is right or wrong. But more importantly, this is how you find forgiveness in the sacrifice. And how do we read the Old Testament? Looking for who? Jesus. So Jesus, then, as you read Deuteronomy, all that sacrifice, all that stuff is fulfilled in him. Hello, okay, that's how you read it. Why they do that, why they do this. Okay, I'm looking through Jesus, I see this, and I go back, it's all by faith, but that was just so they'd be right or wrong. But now Christ, he, uh, the law shows me, this is for us today, I'm a sinner, but then I turn to Christ and I know I'm forgiven. See, do you follow what he's saying here? En deux, trois. <laughs> right? And... I just love the New Living Translation because I started the week in the New King James like, I don't understand. I'm a really simple guy. I'm not that smart. You're like, he knows theology. I don't. I just work at the basic, simplest translation and ask God to show me. And you work at it. And you work at it. And the Holy Spirit starts to show you. And then you start to praise God. You're like, oh, yes. And then isn't it funny, devotions in Deuteronomy, what do I do if like, like my material, it's cotton, it's mixed, and they couldn't do that, and they couldn't do a lot of stuff, and it was pretty harsh. But look, just to show, I know I'm a sinner, but now that sacrifice of Christ, and now in faith I can stand on that truth. And this morning, if you think it's any in anything you can do to to grow, it, you know, yeah, back to be more spiritual and it's on you. Just, oh, who has bewitched you? Right? Put a spell. And this is where we have a lot of trouble. Because our flesh, again, I want to drive this 
is home, loves to know we're doing something to get something. Our flesh loves that, and we don't know how to handle grace. We don't. We don't. And it's just a yo-yo. It's a roller coaster. I hate roller coasters. You might like them. I don't like them. I just feel sick and get headaches. But a relationship with God based on works is like a roller coaster. You're climbing and feeling great, but when you descend, you lose your stomach. You have to look at Jesus, the finished work. Okay, good. Now, at the end, what are these Judaizers saying? You have to become what? Jewish. And you have to obey the law, right? So why do you think at the end he says, well, that's not the case. This inheritance, this blessing of being a child of God doesn't involve being what? He goes through a bunch of class things. Gentile or Jew, slave or free, male or female. Do you know why he's saying that? By the way, we can get into discussion the roles of men and women and people pull out this passage. It has nothing to do with that in this passage. That's totally misquoted if someone does. Wow, no male or female. Yeah, to the knowledge and the work of Christ in my life. That's what it's applying to. We love to take verses out of context, though. But anyways, here it is saying by faith, not by my Canadian, American, Jew, Gentile, male, female, short, tall, black, white. No, we all have access to God. Amen? How? By faith, believing. You don't have to become Jewish, and Paul is hammering this. And that's why we sing in Sunday school, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. You don't have to be Jewish. I am one of them, and so are you. Come on, you guys never went to Sunday school? So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, Father Abraham. You know, when I taught Sunday school, the kids were like, what are we singing that song? So they love to, right hand, left hand, turn around, jump up, you know. Well, we don't like to do that upstairs. So anyways, that's a little too ambitious for us. The point of the song, though, do you understand? He had many sons and daughters by faith. This is so crucial. It doesn't matter your culture. It doesn't matter. Christ is accessible by all, and it's all by faith. And Paul was like, yeah. He is passionate because he does not want to see this spell. Ten minutes is up, right? Bang, boom. Did we make it? Just... Under the line. Okay, so application, because I'll just give a, a few things of application. That's a lot of straightforward application, but there's a couple things I believe the Lord was showing me a little bit as I explained that. So we have over and over in that passage, or at least two or three times, it says, you have the blessing of Abraham. The blessings that Abraham received, you have as well. Is it verse 9? So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Verse 29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I'm just going to read those verses in the New Living Translation. 
So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. And as we move on, 29, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children, Father Abraham, right, of Abraham. You are his heirs of God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Okay, so I just want to just share a little bit. And I say it all the time, and it's it's not a bad thing to say. But God bless you. Have you ever said that? Achoo! No, like that's more culture. But, but a lot of times, hey, blessings upon you. Be blessed. What is a blessing? Because right here, if we believe, we have these blessings. We have the blessing, which is righteousness. But we always say, oh, be blessed, be blessed, right? You know, I'm, I'm starting to realize, and you are blessed. Stop. And what is a blessing? Abraham, very clearly, it was righteousness. Now, there's some other blessings attached. And there's a change old to new, by the way, but I'm not going to get into that. And, you know, there, there is a part of the church that thinks, oh, Abraham was rich, so I inherited that, so I'm supposed to be rich. Well, you better told Jesus, because it's not how he lived, right? So I don't want to preach that, but I do want to preach, you are blessed through faith, right? You are blessed. I think I heard Caleb, um, I don't know, Caleb or Carrie, what is a blessing? And they're like, I'm starting to think that physical blessings of North America aren't really a blessing. Sometimes they bring more worry, you know, more challenges, because they went down to Honduras and like, those people seem a lot more happy than we do. Right? They don't have two, three cars. They don't have... To call all their friends to do our work because they're, all their property trees came down. I'm not saying those are bad things. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of things we see as blessing. Uh, what is the Bible? Well, New Testament, it makes it clear as we believe we have some blessings. And I'm just going to turn to Ephesians 1. And I'm going to encourage you this morning. This is who you are, and this is what you have by faith. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Woo! You have every spiritual blessing, new covenant, in Christ. And as you read Ephesians 1, and if you're wondering this morning, be blessed, am I blessed? Oh, when you read this section, you better not leave here thinking you do not have these amazing spiritual blessings. What does that look like? It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, 
which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. What am I telling you this morning? What are your blessings? Here it is. You are chosen. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. You have a destination called heaven. You have the inheritance, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You are blessed. And if we went through each of these things, like just even the word chosen, if you're in the schoolyard as a kid and they're picking up teams and you're always the last one and you felt like a piece of crap, right? But if they chose you first, you're like, that's right. That's right, kickball, Bigfoot Dan right here. That's right, I knew you were going to pick me first. What does it do? What does it do when you're chosen and you know you're chosen? It gives you something of a confidence and a realization that you're not trying to earn it. But you are chosen, you are loved, you are redeemed. You have been purchased with the blood of Christ. You are forgiven. There's nothing you... You want to talk about blessing? All those screw-ups yesterday? They're gone. They are gone in Jesus Christ. You're going to heaven. And you can choose to look at all the things you don't have. And, oh, does anyone love me? And, I'm not blessed. And, right? Or you can claim the truth of Scripture like Abraham in faith and understand all of these things are for you as you claim them in faith. You are adopted. You know, there's stories of children who the dad, you know, who's the real son? Who's the adopted? They don't know. I was adopted? What are you kidding me? I thought I was a son the whole time. Have you read stories like that? Because the father's love was so incredible and he cheats the adopted just like the real and they have all access to dad. Oh, man alive. Do you know all the blessings you have this morning? Are you working yourself up for them? Well, if I read my Bible this week and I spend my quiet time and and I rev it up, right? And if I go help Pastor Dan with his trees, I'm getting an extra blessing. No, you're not. (laughs) Well, you get to be with me. That's good, right? So only point being is it sneaks into us because everything else, you work hard at work, you get a promotion, right? Right? Okay, you gotta hustle, work harder, become a better athlete, and push it, push it, push it. And then they'll choose me on the team. Now God chose you when you couldn't even kick the ball. Hey. <laughs> he chose you when you were the worst sinner on the team. Because He loves you. And if you put that deep into your heart, it changes how you live your life. You're not pro and conning all your behavior. Oh, it's a good day, bad day. 
And I'm not saying living under conviction is a wrong thing, but too often we're living our spiritual life focused on ourselves and not the one who has blessed us. I can take it a little step further and close because I'm a little excited. Okay, we have these promises, all spiritual blessings. Well, I'm going to talk to you about the promises. And I actually don't want to go through Scripture. There's a ton of promises. But let's just focus on the New Testament because we're in the New Covenant. Right? I'll just take one in my life. I have access to God at any moment. That's His promise. That's a blessing. And if I believe that, I have access, no matter what I'm going through, to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to the Creator of this universe. It says Jesus has blessed me because of his death on the cross that that curtain is gone. And I can walk through that. And I can receive grace and mercy at any time. You want to talk about promises and taking them home by faith? Where are you, God? I'm right here, he says. It doesn't feel like you're here. But sometimes you got to throw the feelings out the window. And listen to what truth is. Do you hear me? So look at the New Testament and some of the other promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what God says. Are you going to claim that by faith this morning? Maybe there's some bill and you're like, I don't know if I can pay it. But if I sit there and believe not to have excess, but that he will provide my needs according to his riches in glory. I'm not talking about getting a Mercedes. I'm talking about God, I am your child, and if I trust you, you will help me get through. Am I telling you there's not going to be problems? No, I never said that. We live in a fallen world. Am I telling you that things won't be challenging? No, relationships, all of these things. But if I live in faith in the truth of the promises God gives me, not by works, but as Abraham, Father Abraham, believe. Now, If you know your Old Testament, you would be shooting back at me right now. It didn't seem like Abraham believed all the time. You want to read the Old Testament? It's just me. Do you know chapter 15? I think it's chapter 16. Oh, this promised child, your descendants will be like the stars. Oh, just believe you're righteous. Trust in me. Yeah, covenant. Smoke it up. Yeah, God, you're real. The next chapter, Sarah's upset. Why don't you take my maidservant? Why don't you marry her and go have a honeymoon? We'll produce a child that way. Hey, where in the world was Abraham's faith then? Come on, do you read the Old Testament? We don't want to be illiterate. Shouldn't we ask these questions? Oh, Mr. Faith, what are you doing? Why are you taking this woman? That's wrong. God said he would miraculously provide the promise. And you're trying to do it in your what? Your own flesh? I'm going to tell you something. Faith, and I heard this this week, and it struck a chord with me. Faith does not mean the absence of doubt. It does not mean the absence of unbelief. And you're like, oh, it's one or the other. Oh, yeah, right. Is that the way you're alive? I always believe no matter what. You've never had a little unbelief. And as a speaker I was hearing said, well, what about Mark chapter 9? Jesus heals the demon-possessed boy, says to the Father, do you have faith? Do you believe? What did he say? 
I believe, but what? Is he denying he has unbelief? Okay, this promise, God, you promised to do this for me. God, I see it in your word. I want to stand on this New Testament truth. I know, God. Yeah, oh, are really? I think it's a little hard. Anyone had a little? Come on. If that's your response, you guys are superhuman. <laughs> there are times of really battle. And I'm not going to here chastise you for those moments of unbelief. The question is, what is going to influence your heart? It's not the absence of unbelief, but what do you let affect your heart, which affects your actions? We're human beings. There will be unbelief that comes. But we have to focus on the Lord. However you get there, to know Him, to believe in Him, to let that influence you in the midst of that challenge. I'm your pastor. I don't know if you think uh, I'm spiritual or not, but there are definitely times when the circumstances of life come where you got to have a little time out with God. And you've got to deal with that unbelief. And you say, I don't want that unbelief to create fear and anxiety and complaining and hopelessness. God, I want to believe that I am your child by faith. And you are real. And I'm going to trust what you say in your word. And then I'm going to say, help me. Help me. You know God's so good. He knows we're dust. says that in the Psalms. He's not looking for some perfect person. If that's your view of God, you got it all wrong. He's looking to help you and walk with you. He knows you're fallen. Do you hear me? And that's why he came. And the question is, where are you this morning? Because there'll be that little bewitching, sneaking silliness that when things go bad, you're going to think it's because you did something wrong. It's not by your work. Yeah. Oftentimes I heard an example, and I'll finish with this, I've mentioned before, and Bob told me many years ago that we're funny. My daughter's getting married and she's been looking for a, a dress. I'm not a part of that. You know, I think she'll look good in anything. Right? I think she should save herself some money, but I think she looks good in everything. Well, you know what? It's special, right? Why? Because when we go to a wedding here in North America, what are we looking at? We're looking at the bride, aren't we? Well, I was a groomsman in it, or a groom. Um, nobody was looking at me. Well, I certainly wasn't looking at myself. I was looking at my bride. That, you know, but that's, that's our cultural. In the Middle East, it's a little different. You know, the wedding here focuses on the bride. There is, is, is the groom. Well, why do I tell you that? 
Sometimes we're so focused on ourselves and what we do to get access to God, to walk with God. But we need to stop looking at ourselves and look at Him and who He is and claim what He's done for us. It will set you free. Right? It will set me and you free. The constant evaluation has got to stop. And the praise needs to start. We're looking at the lamb today in communion, okay? And if you know you've done something wrong, put it in view of the perfect lamb, Jesus Christ. If you had a horrible week, praise God you're here. And praise God you can remember the work of Jesus. And you can give it to him and know you are forgiven. And you can claim his promises for the week ahead. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord, this morning. We just give praise for Jesus right now. I'm so glad your word told us to remember Christ. To remember his body and his blood. To see him, his love. To see that it's been finished on the cross. There's no more work to be done, but rather, as the word of God says, we need to rest in the finished work of Christ. And Lord, may that change us. Oh man, may that change us. And this morning, there may be someone in this room who needs to claim a promise of God. Maybe you're feeling broken and tired. And I'm not saying everything's going to change in the moment, but I want you to know that you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. The promises of God are yours by faith. So, Lord, we would say this morning, would you increase our faith? Lord, there are times of doubt. There are little plants of doubt, but may the fruit of faith grow and grow and grow. May we increase our faith by hearing your word, which we did, and by doing what you say, not because we have to, because we get to, to see you work. And then we'll know, wow, God is real. Lord, help that in our lives. This morning, if you have never chosen to place your faith in Jesus Christ, you can't claim the promises of God. It's by faith. And if you're feeling unrighteous and you don't want to believe in Christ, there's a little bit of a problem. See, he came to die. And he's given you that opportunity of forgiveness. He's paid the price of sin and he offers it to you. And if you've never chosen to accept that, believe that, to walk in that, there's no access. It's by faith. So this morning, if that's you, would you put your faith in Jesus? Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. 
I know I'm falling short. I know I can't do it, God. But I'm going to believe in your work, what you've done. I'm going to claim it now. And truly, you will be forgiven. And you have access to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. doesn't mean life will be perfect. It means He'll be with you. Oh, amen. If that's you, I would urge you, come on. Enjoy Jesus and His work. Claim it by faith today. Thank you for joining us for this message this morning. If you'd like more information about Northgate, you can find us on the internet at northgateministry.com. We'd love to hear from you and have a great week.